against the former President Donald Trump. Joining us on the phone line, my friend, President of the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty and a legal scholar and somebody who's argued cases in front of the Wisconsin Supreme Court, Rick Essenberg. Good morning, Rick. Morning, Steve. How are you? Good. I wanted to get your, your thoughts. I spent a lot of time last night after an event watching and trying to digest legal scholar, former prosecutors, I mean, legal experts. And I will say this, and, I, and I'd love to hear what you have to say about what they said, but almost overwhelmingly from really both sides of the political aisle, including some pretty conservative big, big-time attorneys, said the president's in some peril here. Do you agree? No. Well, let me put it this way. I don't think that the indictment is legally solid. And I could point you to any number of national legal scholars who would agree with me on that. Let's let's narrow it down. Let's talk about some of those areas. Okay. so the the problem with this indictment and, and, you know, Steve, I, I say this as somebody who is most decidedly and publicly not a fan of Donald Trump. I do not believe I'm conservative. I don't think he is. I don't think he should ever, ever be president again. And I have nothing good to say about his conduct conduct after the 2020 election. But when we're dealing with a criminal indictment, it's a different animal. We have to take a written statute and we have to ask ourselves, okay, what are the elements of this crime? What are the things that uh, the defendant has to do to violate the statute and then ask ourselves if we can prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he did each one of these things. And would making these things a crime raise constitutional problems? The difficulty with this indictment is that what he essentially is accused of doing is trying to persuade people to do things. He's trying to persuade state officials not to certify the election. He's trying to persuade uh, members of Congress to reject the results. He's trying to persuade the vice president that he has the power, um, uh, you know, not to certify the results. And but he's doing it with bad arguments. He's doing with it with arguments that aren't true. And. The indictment itself, if you read it, it has to begin by saying, well, you know, he's got a right to challenge the election results. He, he has a right to challenge the election results, even if the arguments that he makes are false. But somehow, Jack Smith believes, he crossed the line here, but in the indictment, he never really explains why. And the best thing that I can come up with is that... Uh, Smith is alleging that Trump's view was unreasonable, right? That he shouldn't have thought the things that he thought. That can't be a basis for a criminal prosecution. We can't have a situation where politicians and political leaders can be accused of a crime because someone subsequently decides that the arguments they made in an attempt to persuade others to do things weren't good arguments or were arguments that nobody should believe. I think that that substantially undermines our First Amendment protection. And so if that doesn't work, then the argument has to be, well, Trump knew that what he was saying was false. 
But, you know, I, I read David French's, you know, column in the New York Times this morning. As did I. Yeah, and he seems to think that we should have a trial on this issue. We should have a trial on which, you know, the, the issue before the jury is whether Donald Trump really believed the things that he was saying. And how is that trial supposed to work? And what will accomplish if 12 people come to the conclusion that he didn't believe what he said? And, you know, half the country still believes that, however mistakenly, he did. Well, that's political. I mean, that's political that, ramifications. I'm talking about the legal side. Politi- politically, well, people can believe what they want to believe. Think, but I think there are legal ramifications because because to do that, I mean, even think about that. That would mean that a radio talker like Steve Scafidi can say what he wants on the air, but is always at risk that if he says the wrong thing. After the fact, a jury will come to the conclusion that what he said was not true. People told him it wasn't true, and therefore he couldn't possibly believe it was true, and therefore he should be punished in some way. But, Rick, didn't he admit in the, in the document, in the testimony that was, was revealed in the document, that he knew it wasn't true? So, therefore, he yeah, continued think, the illusion. Well, I think that there's an out. No, I don't think so. I think that there's an allegation that at one point he said something that, uh, co-conspirator number three, I think that's Sidney Powell, uh, said was crazy. I mean, Sidney Powell was the release, the Kraken lawyer. She was saying a lot of things that were crazy. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't think that that gets you to where you need to be, which is essentially to prove that he knew that everything he was saying about the election was false, that he subjectively believed and therefore had a corrupt intention that 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 this wasn't true. And I just don't see how you get there. He's Rick Asselberg. Got to take a break here. I want to, I want to get some extra questions after the break. You're you're listening to, of course, the WTMJ now. Stephen Sandy on this Wednesday edition. We're talking to Rick Asselberg. Got a couple minutes left with him. A lot of this questions. A lot of the questions about this have to do with proof. Obviously, because we're talking about an indictment of a president. Sandy, you had a great point during the break. Yeah, because I was following you along, Rick, and if I understand correctly, you've got to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. But if any of the witnesses or any further evidence comes out that former President Trump was lying, does that change this? Does, does that give validity to this indictment then? Well, so there's an interaction between this concern for freedom of speech and a question as to whether or not these particular statutes even criminalize the type of conduct that's at issue here, which is basically all speech activity. And so, for example, there's a provision in the law about, you know, depriving people of honest services. Well, the Supreme Court has said that in the context of the government, you've got to limit that to bribery or kickbacks. And the reason that you have to do that is that if you didn't, the statute would be vague and potentially overbroad, and this would chill the speech of people who won't know whether or not if they make an argument or they urge a government official to do a particular thing that somebody might later conclude that they're lying. And so therefore they won't speak at all. And there's a strong presumption under the first amendment that the law should never have that effect. And so if that's the case and you want to adopt as the Supreme court has tended to do a narrowing construction of these criminal statutes has read them not to apply to as much as, you know, you might otherwise think, 
then it may be that these statutes don't even apply to the conduct at issue here, which, as I said before, is largely speech conduct, right? There's, there's no allegations here uh, that, that, you know, perjury was actually suborned. There's no allegation here that there were, you know, uh, ballot boxes were stuffed or ballots were burned or anything like that. And, and so, you know, this becomes basically a case about the circumstances under which somebody can be charged with a crime because they made public arguments that were ultimately found to be untrue. And I think anybody that's strongly committed to the First Amendment should at least stop and pause about that and think about what the implications of that will be. Because as much as we may not like Donald Trump, and as I said before, I don't, the law you know, works by analogy. And so the rules that we adopt now to apply to Donald Trump are going to apply in the future. Uh, when, you know, maybe the defendant will be somebody that, you know, we, we, you know, are more favorably disposed to. And the prosecutors are people that we are less favorably disposed. Got to leave it there. Rick Esselberg, always appreciate your wisdom. Thanks for taking time to share with our audience. All right. Take care.